Welcome, welcome, welcome back. All of those out there in Timberwolves podcast land to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Yet another episode coming off of yet another Timberwolves win. All those listening in on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Audible, iTunes, those watching on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. I am Coach Frank, joined always by Mr. Lance Gardner, owner proprietor of Yes Trees and the co-host extraordinaire of the Coach in the Culture podcast. And behind the scenes, we're joined by the super producer, Lloyd Leon Coop, over there making us look good, sound good, feel good. And, of course, we are here to talk about none other than your first place, Minnesota Timberwolves, as we do every Sunday evening. What's going down, Lance? What's up? We we do that every Sunday evening. They've been in first place all year. So we've been talking about the first place Timberwolves <laughs> every Sunday all year long. Yeah. That's good. We keep waiting. We keep waiting for that 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 you know Minnesota slip and slide, and uh, I just don't think that is coming, man. I think we're going to be talking about them in this vein all season long. Yeah, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It just feels different. It yeah. just feels like um, that's not going to happen. It feels like uh, with the depth that's on this roster and just the way that they're playing together, like I said, it would it would take another you know, punch from uh, Rudy to Kyle or another <laughs> wall game punch by Jaden or something along those lines to really derail what they have going on because it seems like they've built a really strong foundation. Well, I went to the boxing match last night down at the Armory, watched David Morrell, and I will say, outside of the sweet science, when you're winning, you're usually not punching things. Yep. <laughs> uh, last night, there was some punch going on, Ooh, some heavy punching. Oh, my goodness. That dude's a monster. He is. Oh, my goodness. He is. He hit that dude a few times, and I felt it. <laughs> I, I, felt, I felt like, uh, uh, what's my man's name, that decided to do the too small on Rudy Gobert. Oh, man. And the end of pace was a Neesmith. Neesmith, yeah. What? Compelled him to do us too small. Down by like eight, what, eight, ten points at the time? I think they were down even more than that. To Rudy Gobert of all people. So he got welcomed with a couple of rejections. Don't, no, 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 stop. (laughs) Immediately thereafter. Very much not. That was not fitting for the time at all. At all. Um, all. It it didn't last long. Pick and choose your battles, youngster. Pick and choose (laughs) your battles. That was not a good one. It was forced. Yeah, it was forced. <laughs> Definitely was not in the flow of things. No, no, he wanted airtime. Yep. Well, you got your airtime, bro. Everybody's and, talking about you getting rejected immediately exactly. after talking smack. Yep, got your airtime and I'll hand it to you. But that's the third game of the week, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, quick rundown for the listeners and the viewing audiences of what we're going to talk about this evening. Um, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the week that was the Wolves lost to the New Orleans Pelicans. Follow that up with a little conversation about Nas Reed, Nas Reed, Nas Reed going off against Dallas. Oh my goodness, dude was lighting them up like a pinball machine. And then, um, talk a little bit about the Indiana game. It was, um, Cat and Ant, uh, shootout, man. It was almost like Ant was like, yeah, I know I've been gone for a few games. And I struggled shooting my first game back. But wait a minute, Cat. You kind of getting <laughs> away from me a little bit here. Let me catch up. Let me do some catch up. Because Cat came out balling from the open and tip and didn't look back. No. So we're going to talk about how he started the, the onslaught and then Ant finished the onslaught against Indiana. Also a little conversation about the injuries. 
Uh, some nicks, some bumps, some bruises. Uh, Jaden McDaniels just can't seem to catch a break. And uh, Anthony Edwards looked like his hip is finally starting to come around as we knew it would. Mm-hmm. We, we knew that was one of those things that, you know, each day is going to feel a little better, a little better, as long as he doesn't take too many hits. And then so, right, you know, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about the difference between a, a, a tailbone bridge <laughs> and a hip later. And uh, I guess that's a conversation that Ant and Jaden can have <laughs> over which one hurts first. <laughs> we've already shared our opinion on yep. the subject. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking. If, if I have to choose the two, I'm taking a hip pointer over the hip bruise or the uh, tailbone bruise. And uh, yeah, they're you know it, it's going to hurt for a while. They're both going to be in a little bit of pain. I think Ant, like you said, is getting through it and getting to the other side of the. Um, tunnel, but Jaden is just now entering his because that, you know, the tailbone is again another week or two process where you feel it. It's all about, you know, you can play through it if the, if the pain is tolerable and it's not going to get any worse, but it's not easy to do that. Yeah. And I know the official, uh, prognosis is, uh, diagnosis is, uh, what do they say? A sacrum, sacrum <laughs> bruise, something about the, the sacrum. Look, from a player, it's a tailbone bruise and shit hurts. <laughs> yep. That's, that's about that's about how I would describe that. And I'm sure if you ask Jade, where is it hurt? You go, just above my butt. Yep. <laughs> right in that tailbone spot. Yeah, buddy. So I'm sure they're arguing over which is worse, just like we discussed it for the last couple of weeks on the show. Also, some interesting comments from Rick Cardile, who's a coach that knows a thing or two about winning and knows a thing or two about good quality basketball teams. Mm-hmm. He's had his fair share over his long NBA tenure as a head coach. And so when he makes a comment like he made, and we'll discuss that about the Wolves, uh, not just the players on the floor, but the whole organization, I think that that's noteworthy and something that should be discussed. Um, and then a couple Twitter users, because uh, I've been trying to, you know, stay in correspondence and up our Twitter game. So a couple Twitter users sent in a couple cop, uh, uh, topics of conversation that they'd like to hear us talk about, one being what they think the Wolves should do, if anything, at the trade deadline and what that might look like. And then also another question about their third quarter dominance and what we might uh, surmise ha- it goes into them coming out this year, unlike maybe every year other than this year in Timberwolves history, mm-hmm. how they've come out in the third come out in the third quarters and just kind of put the sledgehammer on teams in the third quarters of games. And then of course we'll finish off talking about the week to come and the concerning trends and hope it never ends segment. So that's gonna be our show today. Uh please enjoy listening. We're coming to you uh from the dream shot recording live. We we do some minor editing sometimes, you know, I gotta wipe my nose or something. We we hope Poop will go ahead and edit that out. But for the most part, we do this live in one take from the Dream Shop, 3701 Fremont Avenue, North Minneapolis. You can see the setup in the background over there, kind of off camera. is a lovely little boutique uh, for Christmas time. It's coming, holiday time, Kwanzaa time. Um, it's coming. There's jewelry. There's clothing. There's scarves. There's books. Um, there's uh, uh bags women's handbags all kinds of wonderful items over here in the dream shop so if you haven't finished your holiday shopping come on down to the dream shop there's artwork for sale check out markella and see what she has to offer for your holiday shopping so uh let's get to it man let's do it 
Starting with the uh, New Orleans game. New Orleans Pelicans, which we knew. Yep. Talked about talked about how the Pelicans were going to be coming. Um, and after the embarrassment that they took from the Lakers in that in-season tournament. Um, and then, of course, they had lost to the Wolves their first two games playing them as well. So just the added feel of them not wanting to go 0-3 against us. Um, and they came out hot on fire. They came out with a, you know, a determination and, you know, the media after the game was, was, was asking, uh, Zion, you know, how did it feel to get embarrassed by the Lakers? And so they kind of were skipping over the fact that they just beat the Wolves and everybody knew how the the Pelicans really felt going into that game. And so when we talk about it, you know, it's just more confirmation that, yeah, them them boys was not happy, and uh, yeah. Zion came out and played like a man on fire, and and you could tell um, that he kind of he decided it was going to be a game that he just was going to take over and really show you know the media or the people you know what level he's really on. It was a perfect storm in terms of what the Wolves were going into. They were going into the proverbial or the uh, cliche Hornets nest. Uh, the embarrassment, um, Stephen A. Smith, Shaquille O'Neal, Kenny Smith, Charles Barkley, all just ripping Zion in the media, in the national media, uh, ripping the Pelicans. You know Willie Green is a very prideful coach, very uh, intense coach, so you knew he was going to have those boys ready. Uh, it was a little bit of turnabout and fair play. The first two times the Wolves played the Pelicans, the Pelicans were shorthanded. Mm-hmm. They were missing Zion. They were missing C.J. McCollum. Um, Brandon Ingram was kind of out there on an island by himself. And so now this time the Wolves come into New Orleans and Jade McDaniel is just coming back from an ankle injury, which, you know, we we talk about injuries and we talk about them as players who have had those injuries. And when you're first coming back from an ankle injury, the hardest thing to establish is trust in that ankle. How hard can I really cut? You're worried about where you're going to land. You're a little ginger Mm -hmm. making your moves on offense. And so, you know, to be expected, it wasn't really a fully confident in his body. Jade McDaniels and, of course, Anthony Edwards didn't play at all because that hip pointer flared up on him. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit of turnabout of fair play. So it was a perfect storm between, you know, Zion being blasted in the media, the Pelicans overall being blasted in the media, getting beat on national TV when you're like the only game in the entire NBA that's going on and you get beat by 40. Uh, Anthony Edwards not playing. Wolves' first game of a really difficult stretch of games, many of them on the road. Everything was stacked up against the Wolves in that particular game. Um, And it's funny because I tweeted about four or five hours before the game, I was at work, and you know how we do at work sometimes. We just don't work. Mm. (laughs) And so so I tweeted, I said, um, I said, it's going to be interesting to watch Zion go for 40 points with 15 free throw attempts. I think Kyle Anthony Tyler just picked up his third foul with his hands up in the air and barely any body contact as I text this tweet. And uh, it wasn't Carl, it was Rudy. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty close. I think Zion shot 10 free throws and went for 34. Right. Uh, and so you knew it was coming. You can, sometimes the NBA can be very predictable. And that was one of those times. Yeah, and you know, we've also talked about uh, the Wolves don't, you know, their their scoring is not up there for where they are in the standings. I mean, their their points per game is in the range of you're looking at the ten, you know, the teams between about ten and twelve. I think. No, I think they're. Mm-hmm. I think they've all dropped all the way down. 
Well, I don't know what it is after last night. I didn't look it up after last night, but I think going into Wednesday's game against Dallas, I think they were 17th or 18th. Okay. So even a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I said, that's that's something we've discussed about your defense having to keep you in those games when you are a team that's not putting up 120 points every game. Um, but when you're coming up against a fiery Pelicans like that, you know, you're, you're they, them dudes can hoop and they can ball. And so if, if it's a night where, you know, Zion decides he's going to be Zion and take over and dominate and everyone else is making shots. There's only so much you can do. Um, and, you know, 107 points with no Anthony Edwards sounds about right unless somebody just goes off and dominates, which didn't happen that game. It was actually Zion for the Pelicans that did that. So um, you can't win them all. And, it, you know, it, it was a rough situation. And New Orleans was just making shots and they were playing a really good basketball. And, and you can't win every game. And, and the talk. You know, after that game was the Wolves on-off numbers when Anthony Edwards is on the floor, whether you know, and when he's off the floor, whether he's off the floor due to his regular substitution pattern or whether he's off the floor due to injuries, um, and how the Timberwolves are actually really dead last or close to last in the entire NBA in offense when Anthony Edwards is off the floor, and in a road game against a fiery team. You know you're going to have trouble scoring when he's off the floor. What's most important is you have to make your open shots. Mm -hmm. And Troy Brown Jr., Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Jade McDaniels got their fair share of open threes. And I think between the three of them, uh, I had the exact numbers, but I believe it was four for, I want to say, 18 or 19 from three. Or four for 17. Four for 17 between the three of them, and that's just not going to get it done. Uh, and many of those shots were wide open, and many of those shots came at a time where, you know, the game was New Orleans kind of had that double-digit lead for much of the game, and one of the reasons they had that lead is because instead of it being seven-ish, right, and you're kind of in striking distance to steal one on the road, um, you're missing wide open threes, you know, and Cat's making, and they double-team Cat, hard doubles at Cat, pretty much after the first quarter when he took Brandon Ingram behind a woodshed, and they put Herb Jones on him, and they ran hard double teams at him, and he made the right play more often than not, especially in the middle portion of the game. It wasn't until really the end of the third, beginning of the fourth area of the game where he started to kind of force it, mm -hmm. um, which that's going to happen when you're making the right play and your guys aren't knocking down shots. Yeah. So it's just one of those games, man. You know, it's just one of those games. And this goes back to, I think, a bigger question before we move on about what we talked about as it relates to Troy Brown Jr. and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker in the beginning of the season, if you remember on our season preview show, we said those guys are going to be streaky. Mm -hmm. There's going to be stretches of games where they're knocking them down at a really high clip and the Wolves are going to look really good, especially their bench, in those stretches of games. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be stretches of games where those guys can't hit the broad side of the bar. They're not pure shooters. They're more streak shooters. Um, and you just hope that one or the other – it's got it going yeah. for a given stretch. And that just happened to be a game where neither one of them could shoot. They, neither one of them got out. And, uh, you know, Nas didn't shoot bad, three for seven for three. Not horrible. But you needed that guard. You needed that backcourt scoring. Mike Conley gave you 17. Mm -hmm. You know, you needed 30 from Cat. And if they're going to take the ball out of Cat's hands, you need somebody else to get in the mid-20s which means they got to make shots. Yeah. And so it happens, but you, like you said, you can't win them all and lose into a very dangerous New Orleans Pelicans team on the road in a game in which you put up some fight 
It's not without Ant. It's not the end of the world. Because nope. that New Orleans team, my my prediction is after the All Star break, if not a little bit before the All Star break, that team's going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem. I can see it. Um, after New Orleans, they played Dallas. One one nineteen to one oh one. Um that's the game that you're talking about, the Nas Reed game. Nas Reed. Um eight for fourteen from the field, seven for eleven from three with six rebounds, twenty seven points in thirty one minutes. The six nine, two hundred and fifty pound Steph Curry. Man, <laughs> man lighting them up. <laughs> lighting them up. He was out there spotting up at Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a smooth shot. It is it's uh it's unique, um, but it's smooth. And when it goes in, it's got arc, and it doesn't hit rim, and it just drops right through the basket. You know, it's funny because he went through a stretch, about two-game stretch, where he was really struggling to shoot. Mm-hmm. And um, I, he's one of those shooters that I think that it doesn't take much more than a film session and some gym work to get him right back on track. Mm-hmm. Because really the difference in his shot is really his load-up and then whether he's releasing straight up in the air with that high arc or if he's releasing out in front of it. Mm-hmm. And if you watch, you know, if for the listeners, go back and watch if you have clips of the games, that two-game stretch where he was struggling from three, and you can see he was short a lot. You could see his shoulders were back and his arm was going straight up. And so he's diffusing. I know we're getting into technical shot stuff, but he's diffusing the legs out of his shot with his shoulders back and he's pushing it straight up in the air. And, it, you know, that's those are easy adjustments. And it's very clear that, you know, you watch the way he shot since then, the Indiana game, the Dallas game, and you could see that ball a little bit out in front of him a little bit more and chest forward, and it's pure. Yeah. It's pure. That's the right word for it, pure. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dallas is still playing without Kyrie, so it was the Lucas show, mm-hmm. um, which it's been for them pretty much all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's already expressed that he's – feeling old and tired. I mean, he's he's had to put this team on his back every single game all year long, touching 40 minutes a game, having to score 35. <laughs> that's true. Um, that's very true. Um, and so it's, it's you know, he did his thing. I mean, Lucas scored 39 points, 13 assists, and he did everything that he could, as he does pretty much every night. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't have much help. Um, their second highest scorer had 15 points, um, and everybody else just dropped straight off the cliff from there. Um, and that, you know, a lot of that comes with the defensive intensity that the Wolves played with as well. Um, they played a really good basketball against that team. And um, I think that when you play Dallas, you understand that Luke is going to do what Luke is going to do. And so you don't spend extra time trying to stop that. You just make sure that everybody else stays in check. Um, and I think that the game plan, 101 points against the Dallas team, again, that's that's a low number. Um, yeah. and, and tells you again that they were locked in on the defensive end. That's the carry, and, you know, the Wolves have not lost two games in a row all season long. I think uh, they're the only team in the association, as far as I know, that has not lost two games in a row yet this season. And so they seem to have a button they can press. And I, I've mentioned it uh, a couple times, again, talking with people on Twitter, how I feel like the Boston Celtics game gave them a baseline that is, okay, this is championship caliber defensive basketball. And when they need it, we've seen it happen in the third quarters of games. We've seen it happen in the fourth quarters of games against lesser teams. 
when they absolutely need it, they seem to flip that switch defensively and just lock people down. Just It becomes complete shutdown basketball. I think they gave Dallas an average 41 points in the second half. And so I think when they lose a game and they feel pushed up against the wall a little bit, they flip that switch, they flip that defense switch, and then everything just kind of rolls from there. And hopefully that'll be the trend all season because, you know, it's an 82-game season. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be times where, you know, they're not going to go through the whole season and not lose two games in a row. Um, there's going to be some 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 rocking moments. But when you know you have that, that switch in your back pocket and say, okay, let's go back to that Boston Celtics defense, uh, the way we played against them on defense, that's going to get you out of a lot of ruts. Yeah, and you've got, you know, Rudy Gobert. There's, he's never going to waver defensively. His right. energy, that's what he is. That's who he is. That's his staple. Right. Um, Mike Conley, even though he's a vet, he is. he's also one that if he's on the floor, I'm, I feel confident that Mike Conley is giving what he can at all yeah. times. He's not taking time off. Um, the only time we've seen that from our leaders, it seemed to be, was the Atlanta game when we talked about Anthony Edwards kind of funneling or, or being the catalyst for that lackadaisicalness in the second half of Atlanta. Um, but we've got Rudy Gobert, we've got Mike Conley, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's just what he does. Right? He flies around and he knows that if he wants to continue to play the amount of minutes he's playing and get the amount of work that he's getting in, he ha- that's, that's his job day in and day out. And so now you've got three or four guys that every single night are going to bring it intensity-wise. And then it comes down to your superstars buying in, and and it's kind of as much as they should be the ones leading that charge. Not everyone's going to be perfect every night, but they have guys in their back pocket that are going to give them that energy and motivation. Because even when they're falling short with it, you have guys that bring that every single night, um, and so I lost my train of thought. Well, they're playing to their identity. I think guys are playing to their identity. You know, I, I think that's the point you're getting at is that Nikhil is playing to his identity. Yeah. He understands exactly what his role is. He's a very cerebral person by all accounts. Uh, even coming over last year, one of the things that they talked about was how um, much he studies and how cerebral he is. And so he's playing to his identity. Rudy's always going to play to his identity. Mike Conley is going to play to his identity. Troy Brown Jr. understands what his role is, he's going to play to his identity. And so when you have that, you know, your superstars, they make your superstars job easy mm-hmm. because, you know, Cat's going to play to his identity. You know, he, he's he's going to be Cat. He's been an all-NBA player. He understands who he is as a basketball player. And is you know, he's got – he's motivated. He's got goals. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got team goals. He's got individual goals. And he's got about $50 million on the line. So he's got he's going to play to his identity, and I think that's what creates that consistency. What you talked about is all of those guys are so consistent in who they are and how they play the game, mm-hmm. um, and I think that makes your star's job a lot easier when you can trust what's going to happen around you. That's exactly what I was trying to get at. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns, we've talked about it in the past. You know, he's he's felt the need over his past being here for six years to do everything Mm -hmm. he hasn't felt like he's gotten that help to where he can I don't want to say take a night off but he doesn't have to score 25 points get 12 rebounds and have 10 assists to win the game Um, and that's you know that's huge for them um, to have those guys in those positions to have their back 
and make them feel comfortable and trust that, you know, I don't have to do everything. Right. And that, and that you know, that, that showed in the Dallas game, you know, and goes three for 19 shooting. Yeah. But he gives you 11 assists. Yeah. You know, I think he gave you, what, six rebounds? Let me, let me double check my stats on that one. But I believe he gave you six rebounds and 11 assists. And so two rebounds, 11 assists. Two rebounds, 11 assists. So. But it, I mean, that was just a bad night for him, too. I mean, it, you, I don't remember the last time. I know Ants has some. It was a bad. It was a bad shooting night, but I can't say that it was a bad night because uh, he played defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. they hold the team to 101 points. Everybody's playing mm-hmm. defense, and more importantly, he used his gravity to get other people off. So not only 11 assists, but that doesn't even include the hockey assists. Right. You know, and then and then the fact that you have so many guys that can go off. You know, Nas Reed. 27 points is not an anomaly. Right. Maybe if you're not part of the national uh, basketball scene or if you don't, if you only cover your team in your city, kind of go, who's this Nas Reed dude? Nas Reed been a ball, you know? And so when you got him, he can come off the bench and give you those type of numbers. You know what Cat can give you? And Cat's been giving, you know, we're going to talk about Cat. He's been giving, giving teams buckets, boards, defense, Locks. I mean, Cats have been playing at an all NBA level as of late, you know. And then, and then you have those, you know, Mike Conley. He can give you seventeen to twenty on any given night. And so, as long as Ant trusts his teammates, mm-hmm. and the nice thing about that, you know, it's three for nineteen, yes, but I believe he took ten or eleven shots in the first quarter, mm-hmm. you know, early in the game. And so, the second half, he clearly realized, I don't have it. He didn't, you know, I, most of those nineteen shots came early. And then he went on to get other guys off. Mm-hmm. And and that made the difference in the game. You know, to go on the road and beat Dallas by 18 in their building, um, that's a statement victory on the mm-hmm. road. They haven't had too many statement victories on the road. That's a statement victory. It is. Um, and then after the Dallas game, we played the uh, Pacers at home. Yes, sir. 127-109 uh, to 109 victory. Um, I was hoping that Tyrese Halliburton was going to play. So but. You know, it, it's it's a win in our column, and and, and it required our starters to not play the entire game and got a little rest, so we can't really be mad at it. I just wanted to see him play and see our defensive intensity and see what we could do to to keep them down as a team, but also him individually. I'm sure Jane would do that. Uh, with, with <laughs> none of upset. I'm sure none of them were upset. <laughs> I'm sure the only thing worse than having a bruised tailbone is having a bruised tailbone and having to chase Tyrese Halliburton for 94. Feet. Yeah, that's a double whammy. Yeah, I'm sure that he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with Tyrese sitting this one out. But it was a fun game to watch, even without Tyrese playing. Um, you know, they were making shots. They were. It, it was a fun time for the Wolves and you know the crowd. It was a game that I would have liked to be at. I know that the, the, the Target Center was on ten, because um, it's yeah, I was that was an electric night. Um, you know, shooting sixty percent from three, eighteen for thirty from the three point line, um, and fifty five percent from the field. I mean, buckets were dropping, and defensively they were also like it was a full round, you know, all around game defensively, again, only giving up 109 points to a team that's averaging, I think 125 or yeah, something like that. Leading the league in offensive efficiency, leading the league in offensive points per game. Um, I think they were leading the league in field goal percentage as well. Now, granted, Tyrese Halliburton makes a lot of Accounts that. for like 50% of everything. Yeah, he, he makes a lot of that happen. So, but even still, um, you know, I, again, had tweeted out before the game that 
even without Tyrese Halliburton, this was going to be a test of the Wolves' ball control style versus a team that really wants to get up and down the floor and run because it's not like Indiana was going to change the style that they play. That's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. Your identity is your identity, and it's the next man up mentality in sports, and you can't just change your whole style of play because one guy is not there. Mm -hmm. You might not be as effective or as efficient in that style when that one guy is as impactful as Tyrese Halliburton is, but you're still going to play your style. Mm -hmm. And so it was um, a good test to see could the Wolves get back on defense, which I think early Indiana ran out with like nine fast break points early. Could they get back on defense? Could they control the the possessions? Could they control the ball? Because, you know, the best way to slow down a running team, make them take the ball out. Makes sense. Yeah, make them take the ball out. And the Wolves made shots, and Indiana had to take the ball out a lot, and they had to deal with the Wolves' half-court defense, and the Wolves' half-court defense is the best in the league. Yep. Cat, 40 and 12. Yeah. Well, that's the other way to make a team, uh, uh, slow a team down is the rebound. Yep. You know, and Cat's been a rebounding machine. He has 17 against Dallas, 12. I mean, he's been a rebounding machine lately. Um, and so, yeah. And, and on the, and, and hit the offensive boards. The team can't get out and run until they get the ball. So if you can use your size to beat them up on the offensive boards a little bit, which, you know, they there's not a lot of offensive boards to get when you shoot as well as the Wolves shy. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the other way to slow a team down is the, is the dual. That's what the Lakers did to, uh, to Indiana in the in-season tournament championship. They just beat them up on the backboard. Yeah, they, they – they, you were you like to use the word bludgeoned. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. what the Lakers did to the Pelicans that night. Uh, or the Pacers. Yeah, they bludgeoned them. Yeah, yeah, it was ugly. Um, and Ant comes back with 37. Yep. So, so much for a rough shooting night. Yeah. Started off 0 for 4, and then I think he missed, what, three shots the rest of the night? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, he was he was, he was was on point um, after the first two games coming back. He was a little wobbly, getting, you know, getting his legs back underneath him, but didn't take long. Um, and another, you know, positive of that game, unfortunately, Jaden McDaniels got hurt again, but Mike Conley only had to play 24 minutes. Yeah. Uh, before that in Dallas, he only had to play 29 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's those are minutes where he's pretty much getting, you know, 24 minutes, he's getting half that game off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Against Dallas, he played 29 minutes, so he's getting a quarter off. Yeah. And when you're going through this 16-game gauntlet that we've talked about time and time again, when you can get a player like Mike Conley a quarter or a half off of a game and get him prepared for that next one, your, your chances of winning that next game just increase exponentially. You know, I wonder. I wonder if that's a, a point of emphasis in the locker room. Is you know, let's let's try to let's try to put teams away. Let's go out here and, and really try to build these. Especially, I think you know we're going to talk a little bit about their third quarter performances. But it just seems to be an emphasis on you know the best way to get Mike rest if mm-hmm. we're not going to load manage him is to be up by twenty. You know, with six minutes to go and he doesn't have to play the rest of the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. We can still, we can get his regular rest and then we can steal some minutes at the end of games where he can rest up. And, and because that's, as we've talked about, that's going to be so important mm-hmm. is managing his minutes uh, because it's a long season. We're not even, we're not even close <laughs> to halfway through it. Yeah. And, and uh, Mike's look good. He looks like he feels good. Uh, but I, I also know he's not 25. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what what you just said is one of those things that, you know, if if the Wolves as an organization, as a, as a, you know, that's 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 players buying in and saying, okay, yeah. we're gonna make, you know, we're gonna do this for our brother. We're gonna right. do this. We're gonna actually try this right. for our brother, for our vets. Right. Um, 
And that's something where, you know, if that's something that is being talked about in the locker room and people buy into that, that is that things like that unlock new levels yeah. for each yeah. other, for one another, like real respect. Like, and again, we're Let's just not playing with our food. Right. So we can get Mike right. some rest. And, you know, you think down the road, long run, now you're putting yourselves in positions to be prepared to do that. Yeah. Right. Be prepared for when you get to these finals. Okay. We, we know what it takes now to try to put a team away in the first three quarters as you get into the playoffs and later into the year. Um, but even more importantly than that, if you know that's just an example. We don't know if that's being talked about in the locker room or not. But little things like that, if you know, if you don't, if you haven't played organized basketball, or if you haven't played on a team, or um, haven't experienced high level of success, those little things are what make championship teams. Those things, okay, now we're playing basketball well, right? We're winning games. What do we do now to help propel us and keep us on this, you know, forward momentum instead of getting stagnant and just being okay with winning games? What can we find to push ourselves to continue striving for bigger and greater things um, as we come into this part of the regular season where um, I know the Wolves have a 16-game stretch, but the in-season tournament is over, right? So now we're back to... The playoffs are a long ways away from right now, so we have to find something within ourselves every night to go out there and and find the energy to go win games mid regular season. You sound like a coach. <laughs> it's, uh, it's coach speak. It, it's the goal is to get better every day, mm-hmm. right? It's coach speak. How do we get better every day, and how do we preserve ourselves where we need to preserve ourselves while we improve? Mm-hmm. You know what you have in my colleague. Getting better. Is putting teams away early so that you can preserve my count. That's a sign of getting better, mm. you know, because you know you're going to Miami and you're going to Philadelphia this upcoming week, and then you got a back-to-back, you know, this upcoming week as well. I believe the Lakers uh, are who they have on a back-to-back. Uh, Sixers Wednesday, Lakers Thursday. Yeah, so, you know, getting Mike Conley a half a game off against Indiana, and then you get a day, you know, a travel day, and then you got to go out there and you have to deal with Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess if you're going to have a travel day, Miami's not the <laughs> worst place to have it. <laughs> and, then, and then you got to go deal with JoJo, you know, up in Philly. And then you got to come back and deal with the Lakers team where there's a little bit of spice, a little bit of fire between the Lakers and the Wolves. And mm-hmm. I think the target center is going to be rocking for that one. It's going to be highly contested. <laughs> if any, now, I don't know if there's any more obnoxious fans on Twitter than Lakers fans. Uh, D'Lo's going to be coming back with something to show, uh, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be spicy. Man, that's going to be that's going to be a fun game to be at. Yes, that indeed. would be a really fun game to be at. Um, and that's me speaking again, as this is never, I've never seen the Wolves like this. The Wolves, according to the record, have never been like this. Yes. Um, this early in the season. Yes. And so you know, Timberwolves, Lakers. We finally get to feel what it's like to have those high-quality basketball games, those high-energy basketball games that all these other cities and states have been able to feel for freaking generations, and we're finally feeling it for the first time. Like, yeah, um, the 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 Target Center is going to be rocking. How many times can you say the Lakers are coming into the Target Center, and our expectations are is that the Wolves are the better team? Man, I'm looking at this, and I I don't want to say. I didn't want to say it, but I'm looking at Timberwolves and the Heat, right? Yeah. And I know the Heat are a good organization. I know they have a culture. I know they have players. But I look at the game, 
And it's like at this point, any any every game is winnable by the Wolves. And yeah, well, yeah. and there's, there's, not there's only so. is it winnable, but it's almost like I'm expecting to look at my 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 phone and see Wolves one eighteen, Heat one eleven. Like I'm expecting them to win games and not just games, but the high caliber basketball games. I don't know what the over under is for that game, but if I was a gambling man, I'd put my money on the under. There's a good chance that game is going to be 93 to 88. <laughs> I mean, between the way both of those teams, you know, between the way the Heat wants to control the ball um, and the way the Wolves play defense, um, yeah, I would not expect that one to be a track meet. But, you know, I didn't expect, well, I did expect the Wolves to put up numbers against Indiana. The curiosity was going to see um, could they hold down that high power offense again? Mm-hmm. I had the Tyrese. Halliburton help, but uh, I expected him to put up numbers against Indiana. We'll see what type of numbers get put up on the road against Miami. Um, so that was the week that was. Yeah. Uh, 2 one week. We've been talking for three weeks now about that 16-game stretch that you brought up way before anybody else was talking about it. You brought it on to the Coach and the Culture podcast as we forecasted what was coming. Uh, so you're starting off 2 one three down, 13 to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said that it would be, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they finished eight and eight during that stretch. Uh, they've gotten some good fortune in terms of some health things, players, and you know, Tyree Siderberg not playing, Kyrie Irving not playing. Those things never hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, stretch against teams that you know are gonna probably be there down the stretch and toward the end. Although I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb and say I expected Dallas collapse sometime between now and mm-hmm. April. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ads coming on ESPN. Thank you, ESPN, for that. No. <laughs> no, go away. ESPN, stop. All right. <laughs> um, hey, it's live podcasting. And apparently when you got your stats up from the ESPN app, they just throw an advertisement at you out of nowhere. What in the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> what they call this technical difficulties? Oh, man, it is what it is. It's, I, I stopped it. Um, yeah, you're saying that the, the you, you see a collapse coming from the Mavericks. Well, you got Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the same team, and they started out the year playing. They figured it out. So if them two can have it figured out and play well together, it's going to be tough to collapse them too because them Look dudes are when I see it. Them dudes are real walking buckets. Yeah, they don't have figured out personally. I mean, yeah, that either one. I see it. <laughs> you can do the track record for that. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> uh, moving on. Back to the Wolves. Uh, Cats dominance. I think uh, last night's game against the Pacers was just kind of a uh, a punctuation mark on what's been a really strong stretch of basketball. It goes for 40 and 12 last night. Uh, you know, was it 21 and 17 against Dallas? Uh, something to that extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we talked about the Orleans game where they just ran one double after another on him and he just kind of made the right play and guys didn't reward him by knocking down shots, but he kept it together. He's been very composed, very calm. He's playing the best defense of his life. Um, I think a lot of people that have had a lot of negative things to say about Cat. Over the years, some things I've agreed with, if just not to the level that people mm-hmm. have said it, um, are all of a sudden, you know, changing their tune and oh well, Cat's playing different, so now I have a different opinion of him. 
not really, you know, I just don't think we give these guys the benefit of the doubt that as human beings, we all deserve the opportunity to mature and grow into who we are as an adult, Mm -hmm. as human beings. The rest of us just don't do it in front of the world with the world's expectations placed upon us. Um, But Cat is playing like a 28-year-old all-star, all-NBA-level professional basketball player that um, finally has guys around him that he believes in, uh, a coach and a front office that believes in him for all the talk about, you know, you need to trade Cat, you need to trade Cat. You never heard any of that talk from Kylie or, or, or Fitch. They didn't even flinch. They were always on the, you know, this is going to be our team. Yep. And that was a big vote of confidence, I think, for Carl Anthony Towns. I'm sure behind the scenes there was conversations about Cat. This is what we need you to turn back prepared to do. Obviously, they had those conversations with the entire roster because they've come in with a certain focus this season and they're on a mission. And, uh, you know, I'm so happy to see Cat playing at this level. Uh, apparently, Finch had said it to um, um, Jace Fredericks and then Cat echoed it uh, talking about he doesn't have to be the sun anymore in the galaxy. He can just be one of the planets. Now he's, you know, he's somewhere between Jupiter and Saturn, depending on if you want to mm. talk about him and Ed. <laughs> he's definitely not Mercury, except for when he's letting it go from three. And he's far from Pluto, you know, but uh, but he doesn't have to be the sun. He doesn't have to be what the entire organization revolves around. Um, I think the organization has become the sun mm-hmm. and he can just be one of the planets in the solar system. And uh, what a beautiful place for him to be in as a basketball player. And it's showing yeah, and you know that's also everybody has different personalities and different comfortabilities within themselves, right? And so when you have Carl Anthony Towns and we have such high expectations for him when there's nobody else around him because we understand how talented he is, that might not even be him or what he is comfortable with or what he wants out of his basketball career. Right. Not everybody wants to be the center of attention and have to, you know, with great responsibility, you know, you you get to kind of do what you want to do, right. but not everybody wants to do that. I, I was me as a basketball player. I didn't need to score all the points. I didn't need to to be the the one that had all you know that had the freedom to do whatever. Well, until you just dwarf about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I much preferred to be with a group of guys that number one I enjoyed playing basketball yes. with. Right? Yes. It wasn't we we it wasn't arguing. We weren't fighting. We weren't you know, looking to, you know, not making the extra pass. We all just enjoyed playing the game together. Um, and two, guys that I know I could count on yeah. to, I can't do everything. As much as I'm in the NBA and speaking for Cat, um, you guys expect me to do everything. Number one, I can't. And number two, I don't want to. Um, and so now that he's being surrounded by people that can take some of the weight off of his shoulders, um, just his personality and how he operates can completely shift and be completely different in how he's able to now step onto the court and he's not thinking about really anything. He's just going out there and hooping. And and more importantly, knowing that the guys that he's with for the most part are going to be the guys that are here. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that it can't be understated how many different head coaches, general managers, and teammates that Cat has gone through mm-hmm. since he's been here with the Wolves. A lot of what I think you've seen from Cat over time says as much about the dysfunction of the Timberwolves organization during his tenure here as it does about Cat. 
And then we're watching this 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 year old kid grow up around all of this dysfunction with all of this pressure around him. That's going to make you have some antics on the court. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the COVID stuff and losing his family members, losing his mom. And, you know, even within all of that, you know, the Gerson Rosas debacle, Ryan Saunders, the way Ryan Saunders was fired. You know, like, there was so much, um, always so much change and dysfunction and disruption going around the entire organization um, for Cat that I feel like maybe this is the first time in his entire NBA career that he's been settled and can just go, you know? Um, and, And so maybe this is just what it looks like when a person who has grown up into adulthood, who's been through adversity, who's had to deal with dysfunction in his, in his job, you know, um, when it all kind of comes together at the right time, of course, the, the, you know, the elephant in the room is it all comes together at the right time at a time where the team itself is, um, probably unsustainably expensive. Right. <laughs> and, and so we know there's no, we know change going to come, but for right now, I think he gets to live in the moment. And this is probably the best moment that he's had an opportunity to live in since he's been a professional basketball player. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, his efficiency is is through the roof. Um, and he's always been efficient. Even when all of the, you know, even when all the attention was on him, he was efficient. And so then the knock on him was, well, he doesn't pass well out of double teams. But, you know, he sprays the ball, but, you know, but he's always been an efficient scorer. He's always been an otherworldly efficient 50-40 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now he's adding the 90 to go with it. Right. Um, injuries and yeah. how they've how they've affected the Wolves or not affected the Wolves. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, we had Anthony Edwards out for a couple weeks. Jaden McDaniels clearly, uh, you know, missed the first two, basically three weeks of the season, mm-hmm. and is now again re-injured. Um, but yeah, besides yeah. besides and J Mac has missed a, a significant portion of the year as well. Um, but we look around the league and, and it seems like that's just common. Yeah. Right? Like, like you got, you got a couple superstars that are going to miss a week, miss two weeks, miss a couple games. Um, and the wolves are kind of just fitting in with everybody else in that sense. Um, but again, I, you know, we've talked on it so many times about their depth that they are a team that's capable of, you know, still finding ways to win, even dealing with those injuries. Um, and thankfully they've been minor injuries that aren't, um, you know, requiring major rehab and so forth and so on. Yeah, I mean, bumps and bruises are part of the territory. Roller ankles and bruised tailbones and hip pointers, you know, are part of the territory. I think that, you know, the 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 bad part about the injuries is they happen, right? Um, and and losing at is not something you ever want to happen if you're the Wolves. Um, Jaden just can't seem to buy a rhythm. You know, he started the season injured, come back, he gets hurt back he gets hurt and I think that's really you know one of the things that is affecting him personally more so obviously by the record than it's affecting the team Mm -hmm. and I think they would like to be able to get him a rhythm especially on the offensive end of the floor so he can do the things that he's used to doing offensively and kind of show where his game has progressed Uh, the good thing is that not only are they kind of minor nicks and bruises with the exception of Jay Mack which you know whenever you Spray the knee leg a bit. That's never minor. You always got to take it, especially when your game is predicated on speed and quickness. Um, but the good thing is, Jay Mack is a third string player. 
And the good thing is Nikhil Alexander-Walker has shown exactly why they brought him back on a two-year contract. Uh, the good thing is Troy Brown Jr. has shown why they felt like he was an important piece to go out and get. And you've shown that you can survive, at least against the lesser teams, without an Anthony Edwards because of your depth. You've learned that you can survive for long stretches of time without Jaden McDaniels and not fall off at all defensively. And in some areas, actually be better without him on the floor defensively when it comes to fouls, you know, and, and foul rate. Um, so you learn what you have in those other guys, and hopefully you're learning them earlier enough in the season, and hopefully you don't have any major things happen along the way that you get a lot of confidence in your depth, and you learn what you can overcome and, and what you can sustain. So, you know, the injuries have been a part of the season. They're a part of the season for everybody, but let's be honest, we there's no Bradley Beals out there. Right. So, you know, most of the guys are playing most of the time. And, you know, you talk about efficiency. Cat before the last few years was never injured. I mean, he was an 82-game player. And speaking to just like, you know, sometimes mental joy mm-hmm. creates physical joy. And and I think that, uh, you know, one thing they've been able to count on night in and night out is Carl Anthony Towns. And then, you know, ironically enough, the old guys. All right. Mike. <laughs> you know, old reliables. Yeah. Um, mentioned Rick Carlisle and his um, post-game interview and what he said about the Wolves. Um, I'll just read his quote real quick. He said, this is one of the best teams on the planet. These guys have really got it going on here. The building is alive. The environment is way different than it used to be. I take my hat off to Tim Conley and his operation for everything they've done and the new ownership. Yeah, that's Twitter, uh, Johnny Krasinski from The Athletic, and um, he tweeted that out. Um, and I think that's important because Rich Carlisle is an NBA champion coach. Uh, He's seen good teams, both as a player and as a coach. He recognizes that good teams are not just a function of the players on the floor, but a function of the organization around them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big uh, endorsement of what the new ownership, and you talked last week about Alex Rodriguez and what you felt like his impact on the mentality of players and how he's there to kind of assist players through the pressure cooker mm-hmm. and the process of getting to the top um, and and the process of failing and getting back up and being more determined until you reach mm-hmm. the pinnacle. Um, and uh, Tim Connolly and his vision, you know, nobody is, nobody's talking that Rudy trade smack no more all of a sudden, you know, and then just, I think what you can recognize when you've been there as a coach is what that vibe is like. And that vibe is transcended through an entire organization. It's not just the product that's on the floor. Um, and so I think those are, are strong words of endorsement and encouragement from a coach who has been to the top and who knows what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, oh, and, and I just want to real quick say that um, I do want to give Gerson Rosas his flowers um, because he did draft Anthony Edwards at a time where it was, is it going to be Lamella Ball? Is it going to be Wiseman? Is it going to be Anthony Edwards? And a lot of people felt like Anthony Edwards should have been number three, you know, mm-hmm. out of that mix. Um, and, and Gerson Rosas did not waver one bit. And he said, we interviewed this kid and we knew right then and there he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the D'Lo trade, which I do, you know, as much as we like to talk about uh, our, our D'Lo you know, the bittersweetness that is Digo, the reality is that Trey brought in a level of player that was going to give a certain performance 
um, that I think was needed at the time from that position. And he made the gutsy, ballsy move to fire Ryan Saunders in the manner in which he did and hire Chris Finch in the manner in which he did, being absolutely positively 100% certain that he couldn't wait another minute and that he couldn't afford for another team to come in and swoop up Chris Finch. And that was that was gutsy. And it was not necessarily um, liked the way that he went about that business. But, you know, we look now at what Tim Connolly has turned D'Lo into and Naw and Mike Connolly and what Chris Finch has become as the Timberwolves coach. And uh, we got to give Gershon Rosa some credit for getting that snowball rolling down the mountain. And then Tim Connolly kind of threw a whole bunch of snow on top of it. And now that thing is a boulder heading toward the chalet and everybody in the <laughs> NBA better scramble. Yeah, we're getting it's knocked out. Yeah. Um, upcoming schedule, we've got the Heat, the Lakers, uh, Heat 76ers and the Lakers. Yes. And we, we we don't need to keep getting into this 16-game stretch, but every team we talk about for the next three weeks is going to be over 500 and they're going to be a legitimate basketball yeah. team this time of year. So, um, you know, come back. Sunday um, next week we'll actually have four games to talk about. Um, they'll also have played the Kings. Question for you: mm-hmm. Does Jimmy Butler play tomorrow night? I hope so. I mean, you got to play us eventually, right? Like you can't run. <laughs> you can't run forever, right? You even. I mean, what you gonna do? You can't run forever. Probably the only time you gonna get to see us if you don't play us now is if it's gonna be in a championship game, and you really want to see us in a championship. So, so you think he's you you think he's still waking up with cold sweats, imagining D'Angelo Russell of all people swatting his layup attempt to try to win the game like three years ago. All I'm saying is, <laughs> please play tomorrow. You all right? You've been playing. You ain't hurt. Come get this work so we can dead all this and let Anthony Edwards go ahead and show you why we're so happy that. <laughs> you had to, you had to, you decided to leave. I'm gonna tell you how this is gonna go. He's gonna wake up tomorrow morning and he's gonna look at the game log. He's gonna look at the injury report. And if it says Jaden McDaniels day to day or probable, he's taking the night off. You think so, huh? He's taking the night off. <laughs> if it says Jaden McDaniels out, he's suiting up. He's like, yeah, I ain't dealing with that for 48 minutes. I'm not finna be chased around by that dude all night long. And you're gonna remember that he's a troll. And so if he don't play, he's gonna give us some more stuff to talk about. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, the 76ers game. Mm-hmm. Revenge game. I mean, Miami's kind of a re- revenge game too, but um, Philly, in Philly, the Philly fans, the Philly crowd, this is my prediction. I don't know how the game is like, gonna go against the 76ers. But I got a sneaking suspicion Ant is going to go bonkers. He just likes hostile environments. <laughs> yeah, the more smack you talk, the more nasty and unruly your your crowd is, and it gets no more nasty and unruly than Philly. Right. Um, that just seems to fuel Ant's fire, and I just got a sneaking suspicion that I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but Philly going to have to deal with Ant. It's going to be fun. These are fun games to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's entertaining for sure. And then the Lakers back-to-back coming home. Yeah. That's what talk spicy. About the, the, the environment's going to be crazy. It's going to be spicy. Yeah. Digo, Jared Vanderbilt, coming, uh, Tori and Prince coming back. The Lakers into all our snobby seconds <laughs> and uh, put a team around LeBron and AD. There's always a good rivalry between Cat and AD. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of talk about the playing game last year and 
the Wolves had him on the ropes and they laid an egg in the fourth quarter. Would it have been different if Rudy Gobert had played, you know, and that's also without Jaden McDaniels and also, no, I think Jaden, Jaden, is that, no, Jaden played, I think he punched the wall in the next yeah. game. Yeah. Um, you know, but there was no Nas Reed in that game and you know LeBron's a Nas Reed fan. Right. Who isn't a Nas Reed fan at this stage? Everybody. Um, so yeah, and then, and then we got Sacramento on the road, what, on Sunday? Saturday. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Big week. Big, Big week. week. Uh, I'm 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 curious about the Sacramento game. Uh, Sacramento came in and put a smackdown on the Wolves. Probably the worst. I mean, it's obviously the only game they've lost at home, but also probably the worst home showing mm-hmm. that they've had. Uh, Sacramento's a team that stylistically poses problems. De'Aaron Fox does not get enough national attention. That dude is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's gonna be that's gonna be a spicy game. It is. Um, let's end with before we end. I got, I got, I got to address a couple of things because I promise, promise. Okay, before we end, per Ashley uh, on Twitter handle at nal nine three one three, she asked us to talk about the February eighth trade deadline and what the Wolves may or may not do. So let's try to do this quickly. What do you see as uh, an area of need, and is that area of need, in your opinion, worth? upsetting the apple cart in terms of the vibe and camaraderie that this roster has right now. This is where you got to be tough GM because you love the vibe, but your main job is to win a championship. So how do you balance the fact that it's going to be business decision if you trade a guy out, but you have to evaluate, is this full roster championship ready? My answer to that is after this 16-game stretch. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I think you play this stretch of quality teams, and at the end of the stretch, you really know what you have. Okay. Um, and if you find a way to feel confident with whatever records you end up with and, and, and you make it through, whatever the benchmark is that they set, mm-hmm. they say, okay, if it's 8-8, eight and eight, if it's 10-6, and, uh, and six, whatever that number is, if you meet that number, you understand that you have what you need to win a championship here, um, especially with we have, you know, had these injuries back and forth. And so if we're able to get through this injury bug with the with the team that we have, I think that they hold on to everything. Um, if we get through this 16-game stretch and you just realize that we just don't have enough scoring consistently, because I think that's the only thing that this Wolves team is missing, um, is just someone else that you know can consistently and doesn't have to be every night, but when you know that can give you confident buckets. Um, I think that's the only thing you really go after. I think after the 16 game stretch, we'll see how J Mac is going to work his way back into the rotation and see um, if we need to grab another point guard. I love the Tyus Jones idea, I would never say no to that. Um, I think he's someone. <laughs> I, I think he's someone though that you you know you're confident that if you bring him in you don't spoil that apple cart. I agree. You it's agree. not even possible just by knowing who he is and how he operates um, on the court and in the organization. So um, I think it's a very fine line, but I don't think you decide any of that until you get through this stretch of games. I I think that's fair. Um, I agree with you that it it has to be somebody like a Tyus Jones, other name that has popped up that I could would consider maybe is a Gary Trent Jr., um, somebody who's a marksman coming off the bench. Um, there's a balance. You don't want to bring in somebody that's going to upset your defense, right? So you can't just bring in somebody that's all offense. Like you couldn't bring in, not that they would, but you couldn't bring in a Malik Beasley, for example. Right. 
can't bring in somebody just for the sake of shooting. Um, you can't bring in somebody that is young because you have to bring in a player that understands what it is to play a role at a championship level because you're going to bring in a guy who's going to be a role player. And are you going to find a better role player than Kyle Anderson, for example? You might be able to find somebody that shoots better, but are you going to find a player that does everything else? Accepts their role. Right, and that does everything else to the level that's close to Kyle we're to the point where that person shooting puts him over the top. Right. You know, um, so um, I, I agree with you. I think coming out of this stretch is a good time to kind of evaluate that because if you come out of this stretch and you're, you know, 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 and out of that 11 wins, you have three out of nowhere big-time Shake Milton games. You already know what you have in Troy. You already know what you have in in NAW. So it's kind of like, okay, well, where do you go for that replacement, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's not many places you can go. And then, again, you have to weigh whoever we bring in. Do they bring the things that keep us consistent um, to the level that we need? And for whatever skill they bring, is that skill so much superior over what we have that it pushes it over the top? So I think that's I, – I love your statement on that. Let's get through this 16-game stretch and see where we're at. And and then be able to kind of evaluate what we look like as they play off roster. I think it's a beautiful response. And then per Amir, uh, Twitter handle at S K I Y O U capital M E E K O. And Amir, congratulations on your hundred percent on your paper. Amir is a gentleman that interviewed me doing a a school paper on coaching, and he notified me today that he got a hundred percent on his paper. Mm-hmm. So he gets a special shout out, my man. Um, he asked. Uh, about the Timberwolves' third quarter dominance and why we think that that turnaround has happened. And I want to take this one first. I think that it's the confidence that they gained in the Denver series. I really do think a lot of what we're seeing this year can be traced back to that Denver series. Um, and, and when I say confidence, I mean the confidence in who they have personnel. When you know that your personnel is championship caliber personnel, you go into the locker room with a different mindset. You don't have to make as many adjustments when you know there's only a couple of things that can get you beat. Yeah. So you go into the locker room and you say, let's tighten up the possessions. Let's tighten up the rotations. Let's tighten up the rebounding. And let's go. <laughs> you know, you go into the locker room, you come out with those four things in mind, and you know you're probably going to put the clamps down and really start to bludgeon teams um, because that defense grinds on you. Mm-hmm. And even though a team might be having success, some success early, once you turn it up and you make those few little adjustments, and a lot of times the adjustments aren't even necessarily strategic, it's just cleanup stuff. And when you have confidence in your personnel and confidence in who you're on the floor with, you kind of come out of the locker room like, okay, let's get down to business. And and you just, you have that faith in your personnel. You, again, we talked about this earlier, um, I think in our, in our, in our preseason podcast, you got a former all-star point guard, you got an all NBA center, a former all NBA center playing power forward, uh, up and comer who could be the face of the league at any given moment as your all-star two guard and what you believe is one of the top three to five on the ball defenders, if not just overall defenders in the entire NBA. You go out there to start the third quarter with that five and you say, again, let's not turn the ball over. Let's control our backboards. Mm -hmm. Let's tighten the screws. Let's go. 
Yeah, real quick, just to add to that is you, when when you're playing like the Wolves are right now, you are not the team that's going in and making adjust major exactly. adjustments. You're not going in looking at the other team's personnel and trying to adjust your scheme to them. Right. No, the other teams are taking that halftime to try to figure out how they're going to slow you down yep. and deal with you. So come out in the third quarter, you're continuing in that forward momentum with your style, with your identity, with who you are. That other team is trying to figure out at the beginning of that third quarter, okay, this is everything we just talked about. Now we're actively thinking about all these things as we're going into the game. And once you start thinking, that's when things can yep. kind of start to waver. So while yep. the Wolves aren't thinking, they're just going to play. The other team trying to think about the adjustments and until they start to get a little comfortable again back in the swing of things, now you know the Wolves just went on a 7-2 run, went on a 9-2 run. And you talked about it a number of times on the podcast. We talked about you just kind of tighten the screws, control your backboard, and turn the ball over, and all of a sudden Anthony Edwards goes for 11 straight. Yep. And the next thing you know, you're down 14. Yep. And that's something, you know, on that same podcast, you know, we, just the idea that, you know, the start of the third quarter, they let Ant off the leash. Yeah. Right. And when you have someone that scores at his rate, yeah. um, the third quarter can get real dangerous real quick. If you if you do say, OK, start the game third quarter, that's the time for you to go do whatever it is that Ant decides he wants to do. And then we'll adjust. If you're on fire, we'll just keep rolling with it. Right. If you're not, we'll start getting other people involved. And that's something that, you know, I said and I, I truly think, again, as a, that will make a player feel wanted, welcomed, and all the above. Yeah. You're, you're taking the time to find a way to work with me to to, to meet my needs, right? Because a lot of times it doesn't work that way. Um, but if you can, again, these little things are what make championship quality, quality teams, right? You have the talent, you're playing well. How do we find out to maximize every single piece of what we have going on right now? That role definition. And it's very clear that one of Ant's roles is to get his door in the third quarter. And we also talked about, when we'll move on from that, We've been talking about um, really going all the way back to May, going back to the Denver series about how if this team finds its winning style, the way that they need to play night in and night out, that doesn't really waver no matter who they're playing, they're going to be difficult to deal with because of the quality of their personnel and because the that size, the way that their size is utilized, the skill that Nas plays with, the skill that Cat plays with, the size that Anthony Edwards has at the two-guard spot in terms of his broad shoulders, those really long arms, and those amazingly fast and quick feet. The size that Jade McDaniels brings at the three spot, 6'11", with those long arms. We always talked about if they can find their winning style, it's going to be really difficult for other teams to match up with because they just don't have the personnel to match up with right. it, right? And so other teams are going into the third quarter talking about what they need to do, like you said, to make those adjustments. But it really, in a lot of cases, it doesn't matter a whole lot because you still got to have the personnel to match up with that style. And the Wolves have decided their style is very intense pressure defense on the ball, very intense pressure defense on the wing, and allowing Rudy to do his thing without guys coming downhill at him with free runs. But instead, they're having to make C routes as opposed to B lines to the basket. If you got to make a C route and see Rudy Gobert at the rim, you're not winning that battle very often. Yeah. And that's what they've been able to do in third quarters is dominate with their style. Um, and and that's, you know, we've talked about if they find their winning style, they're going to be a problem. And they're just playing their style and tightening the screws in the third quarter and ants going off. And next thing you know, it's an 11-0, 12-0, 13-0 run. And 
from there, defense takes over. Um, concerning trends. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, you want to go somewhere else? Real quick? No, no. I was just saying we got a we're like an hour and twenty five minutes right now. That's okay. We got nine minutes before Markella comes rolling in here to put us out. So let's do this concerning trends and hope it never ends. And thank you for staying with us, listeners. All right. So I have uh, your concerning trends here. I have uh, the injury bug. Minor. This is a minor thing, but yep. little. It says injury bug. Yeah, I'm nitpicking because I mean at 19 and five, right? <laughs> but we, yeah, you have to nitpick exactly. Uh, second thing: turnovers and fouls in yep. their losses. In the losses, the common denominator has been um, foul rate uh, has been higher than their average, and most of the time in their losses, turnovers have been a problem. Um, they've cleaned up the boards, but you know it still concerns me. When they are when they have a loss, usually you can point toward mm-hmm. um, some excessive fouling and some turnovers, um, if, and sometimes just the schedule. Right, mm-hmm. there's been a couple of schedule L's in there. Uh, third thing: road performance and then opponents and scoring when Ant is off the floor. Yeah, I mean, look, look. Out of their five losses, four of them have come on the road, and again, we're nitpicking, but. In combination with that, I'm mostly thinking of the New Orleans game and how they've looked on the road when Ant is not on the floor. Uh, because, again, Troy, Nall, Shake, they're streaky. And role players tend to play better at home. And if Ant's not on the floor on the road, you need your role players to play like starters. And so it concerns me when, when Ant's not on the floor and they're on the road are they really getting that offensive punch, whether he's off the floor because of, you know, regular rotations or whether he's off the floor because of injury? Um, they have to figure out how to keep some scoring punch on the road when Ant's not on the floor. And I I think Troy Brown Jr. is really is really starting to look like becoming that piece. Um, I think Shake Milton He's up, he's down, he's all around. Um, Troy Brown seems to be, you know, we talked about like the other guys implementing you into their group, right? We talked about how the they're starting five. There's you know they're returning seven, eight players. Um, we're focused on getting them started first, and it really looks like Troy Brown found his way into that group, into the you know the excitement, the encouragement, the you know taking you under our wing. It seems like Troy Brown has stepped into that role more than Shake Milton has, um, and. We talked about it, you know, in preseason, we thought Shake was going to be that solution right. for scoring. But Troy has shown a lot um, when it comes to knocking down shots, when it comes to making the right play, when it comes to just energy in general. Um, and so I think that he's going to slowly start to creep up in his numbers um, in, in, a, in a way that you can, when Ant's off the floor, you can kind of look to him to give you something. I mean, I don't think there's any question that the one game they lost last week was the one game Troy Brown Jr. struggled to shoot, you know, while Ant was not there. You know, he struggled shooting, and there you have it. And so, you know, I think he's going to be extremely vital. And then, of course, I think one of the other things they can do to alleviate that scoring issue when Ant's not on the floor, especially on the road, is more skillmatic. Nas Reed, you know, more more skillmatic. Uh, You know, that's my nickname for it, you know. 
played off of the, the classic Nas album, Illmatic mm-hmm. and, and Stillmatic. Well, I call Nas Reed Skillmatic. <laughs> that dude got skills, yeah, man. Yeah. He has got automatic skills. I don't think there's anyone else like him in the league. There's I, man. for his, for his size and what he, what he, you know, when he steps on the court, he's no little dude. He's a matchup problem across. You can't guard him with a small. Um, he he houses smalls. His footwork is too good. You can't guard him with a big. You can't sag off of him. You can't close out hard on him. He's skillmatic. Yeah. You know, I, when I, you do all of those things, he still makes the right play. He still makes the right pass. He's still, whatever you force him to do, he does it. <laughs> Gold circuit to great, uh, Jake's graphics. I need a shirt that says skillmatic, Nas Reed. <laughs> <laughs> um, did concerning trends never ends. We got facing opponents not at their full strength and winning those games. Um, Cat, his dominance, and then. In parentheses, Nas and Rudy, their dominance as well. The, the, the big bigs. three. Yeah. The big three. The really, big. we got the big four, <laughs> but the big three. The big the big three. <laughs> um, and then Mike Conley's health. Um, so we've talked about, you know, we have had some favor when it comes to our opponents and them not being at full strength um, a lot this year. And we have taken care of business in those moments. You know, you can't. There's nothing you can do about it besides go out there and play whoever's on the court against you. So um, we'll take it. And I truly don't think, yeah, there might be a, a loss or two in there that we may have given up had they had their starters. But I don't think that this is a, you know, if every team we played had their full potential that we're just going to, you know, our record would be flipped around. Like, I don't think no. it's that. No. Um, Look, here's the deal, man. If you're going to put me in a bowling league and everybody else has a straight ball and you're going to give me bumpers, I'll take it. Right, exactly. So it'll bottomize it. Um, and then um, cat cat dominance, we are we we already talked about that. I mean, what he's been doing, we we don't ever want that to end. And, yeah. you know, the, the no trade cat agenda, um, I think that worked out pretty well. And, um, you know, his, his dominance has been – it's been a beautiful thing, and I want to go all season long. Let's, let's 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 have Cat be a first, second team. All I mean, he's not going to make first team. Well, he might, you know. But let's have Cat be in the argument with Embiid and, and Jokic for first team All NBA. Let's you know, let's have Cat make a second or third team All NBA. Let's 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 see All NBA Cat for a full season. I hope it never ends. I hope he keeps shutting up the naysayers. I hope he keeps dominating. All the bigs keep dominating. Um, and if teams want to run out there with their B squad all season long and we went 60-something games to get a number one seed, we'll cross the playoff bridge where we get there. <laughs> and, we, you know, we, it's not like we haven't played. We played the Celtics. We played um, – who was it? Uh, I mean um, – Denver. We played Denver. Denver. We, played we played the Celtics. We yeah. won these games. So yeah. it's not if, – if we did this all year long, come playoffs – they're not going to be afraid of no, but the, the Timberwolves are not afraid of any single team that you put out in front of them. It feels like they are ready, and they want all the challenges. They want all the smoke. And the biggest open never ends. Mike Conley, stay healthy, please, please. Mike, I can't even cross his fingers to so what I broke playing basketball. <laughs> Mike Conley, please stay healthy. The locomotive. Mike Conley is what is – I call him the Jedi point guard. He's driving this team. He's a Jedi. Item. We need him. He open. sees it before it happens, and he moves to it before he sees it. Mike is a Jedi on the basketball team. And I hope some boys on the bench are taking notes because next year, you know, we don't know how long he's going to be able to be here. Um, but, you know, I, hopefully the team 
And some of the younger point guards and people that are sitting on the bench are really watching him and learning from him because, unfortunately, you can't play in this league forever, and there's going to be someone that has to replace him. Use the force, Mike. <laughs> He's the Jedi out there. I love it. Um, listeners, viewers, we have upped our social media game, so please follow us at Coach Cooner. Uh, Coach, oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> at Coach Culture MPLS on Instagram. Um, our new Twitter handle, Coach Culture 22. You can add us at Coach Culture 22 on Twitter, um, at Coach Culture MPLS on Instagram. You can find us, the Coach and the Culture podcast on YouTube, um, the Coach and the Culture on Facebook. So please like us, subscribe to us. Hit us up, send us a direct message, let us know uh, how you feel about how we're doing, what we can improve on, any questions that you want to ask us. Thank you for staying with us. We love doing this, and we want to keep it rolling all the way through the holiday season. Be on the lookout. Timberwolves, four games this week. Let's go for three and one. Let's go for four and oh, we'll take three and one. I'm Coach Frank. We got Lance Gardner. If you need your tree work done, you need them trimmed this time of year. The weather stayed unseasonably warm, so they're working all the way through. Go ahead and hit up Yes Trees. Um, and we got the super producer, Lloyd Leon Coop, saying it's time to go, y'all. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Peace. Peace.